Forlock Forbach Reads. Produced by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Welcome to Warlock Vorbach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. Prepare yourself for the preternatural romanticism and uncanny visions of our next poet. Perhaps you are still recovering from our jaunt through the most famous of biblical fan fiction, Paradise Lost. The podcast is its own place, and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Are you ready to suspend your disbelief with the supernatural poetry from the poet who coined the term suspension of disbelief? We're talking Sarah Taylor Coleridge. Coleridge was born on October 21st, 1772 in Devon, England. His father was a popular vicar and schoolmaster, but died when Coleridge was eight. He spent his childhood studying poetry in a charity school. In 1791, Coleridge began attending Jesus College, Cambridge, where he soon won the Brown Gold Medal for an ode attacking the slave trade. With the poet Robert Southey, They formulated a plan to start a utopian commune in Pennsylvania, but abandoned the idea. He released his first volume of poetry in 1796. Upon moving to Nether Stowey in the southwest of England and befriending William Wordsworth, Samuel Coleridge began his most productive period where he wrote The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, Kubla Khan, and the first part of Christobel. Lyrical ballads, co-written with Wordsworth, started the Romantic Poetry Movement in Britain. For the next few years, he would travel and live with the Wordsworths, but was considered a difficult guest for his fussy eating habits and increasing use of opium. An addiction started when he was treated with laudanum as a child. In his later years, he gave lectures about John Milton, who I just did a podcast about, and William Shakespeare, and is often credited with reviving interest in, at the time, the critically panned play Hamlet. Can you believe that? People didn't like Hamlet. Coleridge died on July 25th, 1834, of heart failure. Many important historical moments happened in 1797 when Coleridge completed the poems I'm going to read. The Cisalpine Republic adopts a green, white, and red tricolor flag, which would become the future flag of Italy. The Riobamba earthquake in Ecuador kills 40,000 people. Joseph Haydn composes Gotterhaut Franz den Kaiser, which becomes the tune for the German national anthem. John Adams is sworn in as second president of the United States. 
Pemue leads a group of Aboriginal resistance warriors against a government farm in Sydney, Australia. The British Royal Navy fails to capture San Juan, Puerto Rico from the Spanish. Napoleon Bonaparte conquers Venice. Horatio Nelson loses an arm at the Battle of Santa Cruz. The XYZ affair intensifies relations between France and America. Feminist writer Mary Wollstonecraft dies 11 days after giving birth to her second daughter, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, the future author of Frankenstein a supernatural classic that I cannot recommend enough. you got to read it. It's the start of science fiction. It's the best. Some of you may remember that I've already read The Rime of the Ancient Mariner on a past podcast, but if you have not, be sure to check it out. This time, I will be reading the other two poems from Coleridge's Most Productive Era. Kubla Khan, and the first part of Christobel. A quick but fascinating note about Kubla Khan. After experiencing a possibly opium-influenced dream, Coleridge woke up with a 200-300 to line poem completed in his mind. But after only writing 54 lines down, he was interrupted by a person from Porlock and forgot the rest of the poem. It sat unpublished until 1816 when Lord Byron encouraged him to publish it. Now, it is one of his most anthologized poems and one of his most famous poems. So with that, let us read Kubla Khan. In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree where Alf, the sacred river, ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles of fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round, and there were gardens bright with sinuous rills, where blossomed many an incense-barren tree, and here were forests ancient as the hills, Enfolding sunny spots of greenery. But oh, that deep romantic chasm which slanted down the green hill athwart a cedarn cover. A savage place, as holy and enchanted as ever beneath a waning moon was haunted by woman wailing for her demon lover. And from this chasm, with ceaseless turmoil seething, as if this earth in fast thick pants were breathing, a mighty fountain momently was forced, amid whose swift half-intermitted burst huge fragments vaulted like rebounding hail or chafy grain beneath the thresher's flail. And mid these dancing rocks at once and ever, it flung up momently the sacred river. 
five miles meandering with a mazy motion. Through wood and dale the sacred river ran, then reached the caverns measureless to man and sank in tumult to a lifeless ocean. And amid this tumult, Kubla heard from far ancestral voices prophesizing war. The shadow of the dome of pleasure floated midway on the waves, where was heard the mingled measure from the fountain and the caves. It was a miracle of rare device, a sunny pleasure dome with caves of ice. A damsel with a dulcimer in a vision once I saw. It was an obsidian maid, and on her dulcimer she played, singing of Mount Abora. Could I revive within me her symphony and song? To such a deep delight twould wend me, that with music loud and long, I would build that dome in air, that sunny dome, those caves of ice. And all who heard should see them there, and all should cry, Beware! Beware! His flashing eyes, his floating hair, weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honeydew hath fed and drunk the milk of paradise. And now for the first part of Christobel. Part one. Tis the middle of night by the castle clock, and the owls have awakened the crow and cock. To wit, to woo, and hark again, the crow and cock, how drowsily it crew. Sir Leoline, the baron rich, hath the toothless mastiff bitch. From her kennel beneath the rock, she maketh answer to the clock. Four for the quarters, and twelve for the hour. Ever and I, by shine and shower, sixteen short howls, not over loud. Some say she sees my lady's shroud. Is the night chilly and dark? The night is chilly but not dark. The thin gray cloud is spread on high. It covers, but not hides the sky. The moon is behind and at the full, and yet she looks both small and dull. The night is chill, the cloud is gray. Tis a month before the month of May, and the spring comes slowly up this way. The lovely lady, Christabel, whom her father loves so well, what makes her in the wood so late, a furlong from the castle gate? She had dreams all yesternight of her own betrothed knight, and she in the midnight wood will pray for the wheel of her lover that's far away. She stole along, she nothing spoke, the sighs she heaved were soft and low, and naught was green upon the oak but moss and rarest mistletoe. She kneels beneath the huge oak tree, and in silence prayeth she. 
The lady sprang up suddenly, the lovely lady Christobel. It moaned as near, as near can be, but what it is she cannot tell. On the other side it seems to be of the huge broad-breasted old oak tree. The night is chill, the forest bare. Is it the wind that moaneth bleak? There is not wind enough in the air to move away the ringlet curl from the lovely lady's cheek. There is not wind enough to twirl the one red leaf, the last of its clan, that dances as often as dance it can, hanging so light and hanging so high on the topmost twig that looks up at the sky. Hush! Beating heart of Christobel, Jesu Maria shield her well. She folded her arms beneath her cloak and stole to the other side of the oak. What sees she there? There she sees a damsel bright, dressed in a silken robe of white, that shadowy in the moonlight shone, the neck that made that white robe wane. Her stately neck and arms were bare, her blue-veined feet unsandaled were, and wildly glittered here and there the gems entangled in her hair. I guess t'was frightful there to see a lady so richly clad as she, beautiful exceedingly. Mary, mother, save me now, said Christobel, and who art thou? The lady strange made answer meet, and her voice was faint and sweet. Have pity on my sore distress, I scarce can speak for weariness. Stretch forth thy hand and have no fear, said Christobel. How camest thou here? And the lady, whose voice was faint and sweet, did thus pursue her answer meet. My sire is of a noble line, and my name is Geraldine. Five warriors seized me yestermorn, me, even me, a maid forlorn. They choked my cries with force and fright, and tied me on a palfrey white. The palfrey was as fleet as wind, and they rode furious behind. They spurred amain, their steeds were white, and once we crossed the shade of night. As sure as heaven shall rescue me, I have no thought what men they be. Nor do I know how long it is, for I have lain entranced I whiz, since one, the tallest of the five, took me from the palfrey's back, a weary woman, scarce alive. Some muttered words his comrade spoke. He placed me underneath this oak. He swore they would return with haste. Whither they went, I cannot tell. I thought I heard some minutes past sounds as of a castle bell. Stretch forth thy hand, thus ended she, and help a wretched maid to flee. Then Christobel stretched forth her hand and comforted fair Geraldine. Oh, well, bright dame, may you command the service of Sir Leoline, and gladly 
Our stout chivalry will he send forth and friends withal to guide and guard you safe and free home to your noble father's hall. She rose, and forth with steps they passed that strove to be and were not fast. Her gracious stars the lady blessed, and thus spake on sweet Christobel. Our household are at rest. The hall is silent as the cell. Sir Leoline is weak in health and may not awaken be, but we will move as if in stealth. And I beseech your courtesy this night to share your couch with me. They crossed the moat and Christobel took the key that fitted well. A little door she opened straight all in the middle of the gate. The gate that was ironed within and without, where an army in battle array had marched out. The lady sank, belike through pain, and Christobel, with might and main, lifted her up, a weary weight, over the threshold of the gate. Then the lady rose again and moved, as she were not in pain. So free from danger, free from fear, they crossed the court, right glad they were. And Christobel devoutly cried to the lady by her side, Praise we the virgin all divine, who hath rescued thee from thy distress. Alas, alas, said Gerodine, I cannot speak for weariness. So free from danger, free from fear, they crossed the court, Right glad they were. Outside her kennel, the mastiff old lay fast asleep in moonshine cold. The mastiff old did not awake, yet she an angry moan did make. And what can ail the mastiff bitch? Never till now she uttered yell beneath the eye of Christobel. Perhaps it is the owlet scritch, for what can ail the mastiff bitch? They passed the hall, that echoes still, pass as lightly as you will. The brands were flat, the brands were dying, amid their own white ashes lying. But when the lady passed, there came a tongue of light, a fit of flame. And Christobel saw the lady's eye, and nothing else saw she thereby, save the boss of the shield of Sir Leoline tall, which hung in a murky old niche in the wall. Oh, softly tread, said Christobel, my father seldom sleepeth well. Sweet Christobel, her feet doth bear, and jealous of the listening air, they steal their way from stair to stair, now in glimmer and now in gloom, and now they pass the baron's room, as still as death with stifled breath, and now have reached her chamber door. And now doth Gerodine press down the rushes of the chamber floor. The moon shines dim in the open air, and not a moonbeam enters here. 
For they without its light can see the chamber carved so curiously, carved of figures strange and sweet, all made out of the carver's brain for a lady's chamber meet. The lamp with twofold silver chain is fastened to an angel's feet. The silver lamp burns dead and dim, but Christobel the lamp will trim. She trimmed the lamp and made it bright, and left it swinging to and fro, while Geraldine, in wretched plight, sank down upon the floor below. O oh, weary lady, Geraldine, I pray you, drink this cordial wine. It is a wine of virtuous powers. My mother made it of wild flowers. And will your mother pity me, who am a maiden most forlorn? Christabel answered, Woe is me! She died the hour that I was born. I have heard the gray-haired friar tell how on her deathbed she did say that she should hear the castle bell strike twelve upon my wedding day. O oh, mother dear, that thou wert here. I would, said Geraldine, she were. But soon, with altered voice, said she, Off, wandering mother, peak and pine, I have power to bid thee flee. Alas, what ails poor Geraldine? Why stares she with unsettled eye? Can she, the bodiless dead, espy? And why with hollow voice cries she, Off, woman, off, this hour is mine. Though thou her guardian spirit be, off, woman, off, tis given to me. Then Christobel knelt by the lady's side, and raised to heaven her eyes so blue. Alas, said she, this ghastly ride, dear lady, it hath wildered you. The lady wiped her moist, cold brow, and faintly said, tis over now. Again the wild flower wine she drank, her fair large eyes gained glitter bright, and from the floor whereon she sank, the lofty lady stood upright. She was most beautiful to see, like a lady of a far country. And thus the lofty lady spake, All they who live in the upper sky do love you, holy Christobel. And you love them, and for their sake, and for the good which me befell, even I in my degree will try, fair maiden, to requite you well. But now unrobe yourself, for I must pray, ere yet in bed I lie. Quoth Christobel, so let it be, and as the lady bade, did she, her gentle limbs did she undress, and lay down in her loveliness. But through her brain of weal and woe, so many thoughts moved to and fro, that vain it were her lids to close, so halfway from the bed she rose, and on her elbow did recline to look at the lady Gerodine. Beneath the lamp the lady bowed, and slowly rode her eyes around, then drawn in her breath aloud, like one that shuddered, she unbound the cincture from beneath her breast, 
her silken robe and inner vest dropped to her feet, and full in view, behold, her bosom and half her side, a sight to dream of, not to tell. Oh, shield her, shield, sweet Christobel. Yet Geraldine nor speaks nor stirs. Ah, what a stricken look was hers. Deep from within she seems halfway to lift some weight with sick assay, and eyes the maid and seeks delay. Then suddenly, as one defied, collects herself in scorn and pride, and lay down by the maiden's side. And in her arms the maid she took, ah, well-a-day. And with low voice and doleful look, these words did say, In the touch of this bosom there worketh a spell, Which is lord of thy utterance, Christobel. Thou knowest tonight and wilt know tomorrow, This mark of my shame, this seal of my sorrow. But vainly thou warrest, for this is alone in thy power to declare, that in the dim forest thou heardest a low moaning, and foundest a bright lady surpassingly fair, and didst bring her home with thee in love and in charity, to shield her and shelter her from the damp air. The Conclusion to Part 1 It was a lovely sight to see the Lady Christobel, when she was praying at the old oak tree, amid the jagged shadows of mossy leafless boughs, kneeling in the moonlight to make her gentle vows, her slender palms together press, heaving sometimes on her breast, her face resigned to bliss or bale, her face, oh, call it fair, not pale, and both blue eyes more bright than clear, each about to have a tear. With open eyes, ah, woe is me, asleep and dreaming fearfully, fearfully dreaming, yet I wis, dreaming that alone which is, oh, sorrow and shame, can this be she, the lady who knelt at the old oak tree? And lo, the worker of these harms that holds the maiden in her arms seems to slumber still and mild as a mother with her child. A star hath set, a star hath risen, O Geraldine, since arms of thine have been the lovely lady's prison. O Geraldine, one hour was thine, thus had thy will. By turn and rill, the night birds all that hour were still. But now they are jubilant anew, from cliff and tower, to woo, to woo. To woo, to woo, from wood and fell. And see, the Lady Christobel gathers herself from out her trance. Her limbs relax, her countenance grows sad and soft. The smooth, thin lids close o'er her eyes, and tears she sheds. Large tears that leave the lashes bright, and oft the while she seems to smile as infants at a sudden light. Yea, she doth smile, and she doth weep, like a youthful hermitess, gratuitous in a wilderness, who, praying always, prays in sleep. And, if she moves unquietly, perchance, tis but the blood so free comes back and tingles in her feet, 
No doubt she hath a vision sweet. What if her guardian spirit twere? What if she knew her mother near? But this she knows in joys and woes, that saints will aid if men will call, for the blue sky bends over all. Thank you very much for listening to Warlock Vorabach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. I hope these poems inspire your dreams to write your own fantastic poetry so I may share it on this podcast. Next time, we will be reading from the woman who helped popularize the gothic genre in literature. Till next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Vorbach Vorbach Reads. Subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss future episodes. And discover more of our podcasts at cincinnatilibrary.org slash podcasts.